right? God invites us to be generous with our time. God invites us to be generous with our possessions. God invites us to be generous with our talents. God invitingly, really, I think most importantly, invites us to be generous with our encouragement. And maybe even harder than that, uh, our forgiveness. God, our heavenly creator, is a generous God, and he wants you and me to be like him. So turn to your neighbor and say, be generous. Be generous. Now, church, when we study the Bible, uh, and in particular, Proverbs chapter 5, which is what we're going to unpack together today, did you know that there is one thing that God does not want you to be generous with? We're going to look about that at it today. In fact, if you read the wisdom of Proverbs chapter 5, you will be wise if you avoid practicing generosity in this one area. Do you know what it is? The one arena, brothers and sisters, where God, our creator, does not, really he encourages us to practice stinginess is in the arena of our sexuality. And so today as we unpack uh, Proverbs chapter 5 in this series, we're going to talk about sex, believe it or not. And specifically, we're going to talk about the four consequences of sexual generosity. And so I've entitled our conversation for today, uh, Sex Advice for Men, uh, because really that's what this chapter is uh, talking to. And so from the get-go, guys, if you're a man and in the audience today, you need to know that my words and my message uh, are for you, and my words and my message are, are for me. And so uh, Proverbs chapter 5, put your finger there. I'm going to open up in a word of prayer, and then uh, we'll, we'll dive in. So join me for a moment. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the truth of your word that we look to every weekend, most of us every day, for guidance in our daily life. Lord, today as we find ourselves in Proverbs chapter 5, we're going to look at what King Solomon says to the young men uh, in his uh, court uh, to those of us here as well and tuning online. And so we pray that you would give us uh, wisdom, help us to understand what we're about to read. And uh, most importantly, Lord, help us to apply it in our daily life. This is my prayer. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Okay, good. Proverbs chapter 5. I'm going to start reading at verse 1. This is what we read. My son, pay attention to my wisdom, listen carefully to my wise counsel. Then you will show discernment, and your lips will express what you've learned. For the lips of an immoral woman are as sweet as honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is as bitter as poison, as dangerous as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. For she cares nothing about the path to life. She staggers down a crooked trail and doesn't realize it. Verse 7. So now, my sons, listen to me. Never stray from what I'm about to say. Stay away from her. Don't go near the door of her house. Let me stop there for a second. You know, we've talked about this already, how the book of Proverbs is a book that was written by King Solomon, the king of Israel. Now, the Bible describes King Solomon, as we've talked about in previous weeks, as the wisest person who ever lived on this earth. 
You know, God gave Solomon incredible intellectual prowess to understand and explain the deep stuff. Yet as wise as Solomon was, he still had one serious weakness. Anybody know what it was? In a word, it was women. Solomon loved women. Now as a man, I can't criticize Solomon for loving women. Uh, in fact, I think a woman is God's gift to us as, as men. Really an amazing blessing. And so guys, if you're sitting next to your woman today, turn to her and just say, uh, honey, you're the best. Anybody know how many wives and concubines King, concubines King Solomon had? You should know this. 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 3 says that Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. You know, most scholars suggest that uh, King Solomon ascended to the, age, to the throne at the age of, of 12 after King David died. You know, we know the, if you know the story, he appointed his son Solomon. So at the age of 12, we're told, uh, in, in 1 Kings chapter 3, or it's a, it's a guess, age 12, but basically they're, they're assuming at the age of 12, at the, First Kings chapter 3 tells us that he married his first wife. Can you imagine being married at, at the age of 12? Uh, amazing. But get this, the Bible then tells us that Solomon ruled for 40 years after, and then, and then he died. And so tra- tradition puts his lifespan at how many years in? 12 plus 40 equals 52. So if Solomon became king at the age of 12 and had 700 wives. I did the math and over a 40 year time frame, that's one wedding every three weeks, every 21 days. And that doesn't include his 300 concubines. Guys, that's a lot of sex. And no wonder he died at the age of 52, right? He died young, but he died happy, right? So for a guy who loved uh, to have women in in the bedroom, uh, it's interesting to me that he counsels us to avoid the lips of an adulterous or an immoral woman, really. That's what he says. Verse 3, he says, her mouth is smoother than oil, but she's as bitter as poison. Translation, write this down in your app notes. Failure to practice sexual exclusivity will cause self-destruction. I think the big idea of Proverbs chapter 5 that Solomon is telling to men, and this includes women as well, is that failure to practice sexual exclusivity will cause self-destruction. Okay, now skip down to verse 15, and then we'll end our time in the middle section. But I want you to go to verse 15. Look at what Solomon counsels here, verse 15. He says, drink water from your own well. Share your love only with your wife. Why spill the water of your springs in the streets having sex with just anyone? You should reserve it for yourselves, never share it with strangers. Let your wife be a fountain, a blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. Why be captivated, my son? by an immoral woman or fondle the breasts of a promiscuous woman. For the Lord sees clearly what a man does, examining every path he takes. An evil man is held captive by his own sins. They are ropes that catch him and hold him. He will die for lack of self-control. He will be lost because of his great foolishness. Translation, failure to practice sexual exclusivity will lead to self-destruction. 
You know, friends, I think it's important for us to remember that marriage was really designed by God. Sexuality was something to be enjoyed between a husband and wife, to be respected and enjoyed. And then Jesus even preached about this. When you, if you read the gospel of Mark chapter 10, he, he, he talks about the truth, or at least he, he, he suggested this truth. And if Jesus said it, we know it's to be true, that when a man and a woman come together physically, something special happens. Jesus said that the two become one flesh, right? And so when a person shares their body sexually with another person, Jesus taught that basically you are giving a part of yourself to that other person, which explains why a lot of times when you're involved physically with another person and that relationship ends, something, you know, there's lots of pain that, that goes with that. You know, I find it interesting that here in Proverbs chapter 5 that King Solomon, a man with 700 wives and 300 concubines, is the one offering his insight into the danger of practicing sexual promiscuity, right? Or being sexually generous with, with multiple partners. And really, it just comes from firsthand experience. So let's unpack really the four, uh, I think, the consequences that Solomon pro proposes of sexual generosity. And we find them uh, listed in verses 9 to 14. So very quickly, let's look at these. So go down to verse 9, verse 7. We'll start at verse 7. So, son, so now, my son, listen to me. Never stray from what I'm about to say. Stay away from her. Don't go near the door of her house. If you do, you will lose your honor and you will lose, and you will lose to merciless people all you have achieved. We'll stop there. If you do, you will lose your honor and you will lose to merciless people all you have achieved. So here's consequence number one. I think that Paul directs us here in these verses. Lost position. Consequence number one is lost position. You know, years ago, a friend of mine uh, who was at the time serving as a pastor of a church in the city of uh, Anaheim here in California, uh, he fell prey to this, this consequence, the sexual consequence of lost position. The church ministry uh, at the time that he was uh, overseen uh, was flourishing. You know, his church was growing. Uh, on his spare time, he had this really cool gig with the Los Angeles Lakers. He had this radio gig, and he would interview the, 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 you know, the, the Los Angeles Laker players and the, the teams that would come into town. Uh, it was a pretty sweet deal. And when you looked at his life, uh, really from the outside, uh, things looked pretty good. He was married, he had a great church family that loved him and that who he seemed to love. He had kids, his community influence was broad and yet he threw it all away when he decided to pursue sexual promiscuity and marry his secretary from the church office. You know, they both left behind their marriages, they both left behind their children and really what seemed like a good decision in the moment uh, for both of them, for this couple, things didn't turn out so well for them long term. And as you can imagine, and if you know a similar story and people in your own circles, you know that there are generally casualties everywhere. And man, with that experience uh, that my friend really went through, it taught me a very valuable lesson, a sobering lesson. In fact, it had a, a tremendous shift in my own practices for how I'm 
with, around women. And that is this, if it could happen to him, it can happen to, to me, right? Brothers, don't ever believe the lie that sexual temptation is something that you don't have to worry about. Because when you start thinking that way, you're in trouble. And again, if my buddy can fall, who is just, it's amazing. And our, sadly, the, you know, the, the stories of Christianity are filled, filled with that, are they not? If they can fall, so too can you. Failure to practice sexual exclusivity will cause self-destruction and lost position is one consequence. Look at verse 10. Let's keep reading. Solomon says, strangers will consume your wealth and someone else will enjoy the fruit of your labor. Consequence number two of sexual generosity, lost wealth. Lost wealth. You know, most of you know that uh, I'm a police chaplain, right? Volunteer chaplain with Costa Mesa PD, 27 years. And by the way, we've got our upcoming 4th of July barbecue. Hopefully you guys can participate with us th this year. We're going to have to take a special offering to pay for the steak. Because have you seen the price of steak? It's amazing. But, you know, over the... Anybody want to take a guess? And, and I, I'm, I'm going to share this statistic with you not to throw my police officers under the bus because if you know anything about police, the career of a police officer, it's a very demanding job. It has tremendous pressures. Anybody want to guess what the, statistic, the marriage statistic of divorce or the divorce statistic of, of cops are? For men, it's 95%. If you're a cop and you're a man, 95% chance that you will get divorced. And for women, it's not much better. It's like 74%. So it's not characteristically or whatever. The, if you go to talk to a lot of our officers, any officer in any agency, and you ask them about their family life, many of them will have one, two, even three marriages that they've been a part of. Now, again, I'm not, I'm not sharing that with you to disparage my, our first responders because clearly I love these men and women. And we all have stuff. Turn to your neighbor and say, we all have stuff. You know, we all have stuff, right? We, everybody has stuff. And, you know, but here's, here's, what I, here's the point of what I'm, why I'm, I'm sharing this, this sad and sobering illustration with you. Number one, we need to be, make sure we're praying for our first responders, not just serve them steak on the 4th of July, you know, for a barbecue. But really, if you've ever been a part or known somebody who's gone through a divorce and some of you have personally experienced that in your own life, you know that it can be a costly ordeal, yes? And brothers and sisters, if, when, not if, but when sexual generosity is the cause of a divorce, when a person has been sexually promiscuous with another person, I have observed in my life that the cost of the divorce goes up incrementally. The loss of the wealth, really, the price tag increases. Brothers and sisters, the Bible warns us that one of the consequences of sexual promiscuity with a partner, a, you know, sexual generosity, I guess, with a promiscuous partner is lost wealth. And so men, I ask you the question, are you avoiding immoral women? Now, women aren't the only, you know, Solomon's talking to men here. Is it easy to do? No. Turn on your computer. There's all kinds of temptations, aren't there? But with God's help, you and I can stay clean. And especially if you have an accountability buddy. 
You know, one of the things that we ask in our Bible study that Kirk and I co-lead on Monday nights is we go around the circle and we just ask each other, so how'd you guys, how'd you do this week, right? Did you honor your wife or you, you know, uh, no, and guys will go, wow, I could do better. A lot of us will say, wow, I could do better, right? But part of that, part of that process of just coming clean and saying, yep, you know, uh, I want to grow in this, in this area. I want to be a good husband to my wife, Robin, and the rest of you. It's important for us to stay clean. Why? Because the Bible warns us here that failure practice sexual exclusivity will cause self-destruction. Let's keep reading. Go back to verse 10 again. Stranger, Solomon says, will consume your wealth. And someone else will enjoy the fruit of your labor. In the end, you will groan in anguish when disease consumes your body. You will say, how I hated discipline if only I had not ignored all the warnings. Oh, why didn't I listen to my teachers? Why didn't I pay attention to my instructors? Consequence number three of sexual generosity is lost health. Lost health. You know, I bet if I sat down with you for a private conversation, you could likely tell me the story of someone who you know whose health has been adversely impacted by a sexual, maybe an active sexual lifestyle. You know, one of the, the joys and benefits of being monogamous, of having just one uh, partner, really, and being exclusive with one partner sexually, is you, hopefully, you are married, you get gained physical health, right? Physical vitality. And I can't tell you how many men over the years I have, have counseled who have fallen prey to the lure of the massage parlor. You know, and there's a whole lot more that goes on in the massage parlors than back rubs. And really, it's amazing. Kirk and I, I can remember years ago, we did this, really this spiritual warfare with a young man uh, who had been, you know, massage parlors were part of his uh, rhythm, if you will, in his lifestyle. And, and there was, he was demonically impacted by this. Remember that experience, Kirk? It was scary. Like it was a six, I don't know, like we prayed over him for like four or five, it was intense, and hours to try to bring out this, this demon that, was, that, was, that he, we attribute to his experience in the massage parlor. You know, when these men that I've counseled, when they leave the parlor, many of them have departed the parlor property with a, a bonus gift from their masseuse that plagues them the rest of their life. Medically treatable, yes, but still negatively impactful. You know, friends, brothers, Solomon warns us that lost health is one consequence of sex generosity, that loose living invites disease. Loose living invites disease, which might explain, and I don't know this, but I was thinking about this, it might explain maybe why Solomon died in his 50s. You ever think about that? The Bible doesn't say, but King Solomon advises us, particularly young men, that failure to practice sexual exclusivity will cause self-destruction. And maybe, maybe at the end of his life, after having so many partners, Solomon was impacted by that. I don't know. The truth is, one consequence is lost health. Let's look at the fourth consequence. It's found in verses 13 and 14. Let me read it again, 13. 
Oh, why didn't I listen to my teachers? Why didn't I pay attention to my instructors, Solomon? I have come to the brink of utter ruin, and now I must face public disgrace. Public disgrace, that's the consequence here. How would you define public disgrace? In my opinion, the fourth consequence of sexual generosity, if you will, is lost reputation. Lost reputation. You know, have you ever known someone who lost their reputation of some sex scandal that they were involved in? We all have, haven't we? Y'all remember what happened in the White House years ago with Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky? For me, you know, what's the first thing you think about? Here's a president that had an impact and yet his, his legacy has been tainted. His reputation has been impacted by that decision in the Oval Office. You know, when we survey the landscape of recent years, marital infidelity and unfaithfulness will always lead to a lost reputation, especially when you're a high-profile figure. I guess uh, a person loses one reputation only to exchange it for another reputation. You know, uh, church, give me your feedback. If, if, if I'm unfaithful to, to my wife, Robin, would that change your opinion about me? Yes or no? Yes, right? Lost reputation. One consequence of sexual generosity. And so in closing, uh, you know, I feel like this, today's conversation is a bit of an intellectual educational discussion, but the wisdom of Proverbs chapter 5 really reinforces the truth that sex, sex should be, sexual enjoyment in marriage is, is the way it's supposed to go down, and, right? It's God-given. God's not anti-sex. God's not anti-physical pleasure. He just wants it to be in the right right situation, right? With, with your spouse. And failure to practice sexual exclusivity, failure to practice sexual self-discipline and control will cultivate natural and negative consequences in which King Solomon is trying to prevent us from experiencing. And apparently the ones who need to hear Solomon's counsel the most are young men. But the truth of the matter is we all can heed from his advice, yes? So here's how we're going to close our, our time together. We're going to spend a few minutes in, in prayer uh, with our, our Lord. And I'm going to guide you uh, through to pray about and really uh, pray through some very specific things, okay? So... Put everything down if you have, haven't already and maybe just kind of get yourself in a comfortable position and let's put ourselves in a physical posture where we can pray. If it helps you to close your eyes, do so. But I want us all to take a deep breath together. So everybody just inhale and then just hold it for a second or two and then exhale. Now I want you to, you know, with both of your fists, I want you to clench them, clench them really hard. Just hold them to clench them together hard, like for a couple seconds. One, two. Now let your fists open your hands. And as you open the hands of your fists, just kind of let the, 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 the stress of your body kind of just leave, just relax. Again, deep breath, inhale. Hold it. Exhale. God's right here and he wants to meet with you and he wants to meet with me. No good. Now, if you're married, I want you to pray this in your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for my spouse. And just mention them my name. Thank you for 
You fill in the blank. Please help me to serve him or her more selflessly. And please help me to be a partner that invests in our marriage. Good. If you're single, pray this. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving me a sex drive. Please help me to save myself sexually for my future spouse. If you're single, pray. God, I thank you in advance for the marriage partner you have reserved for me. And if you're a parent, pray this for your son or daughter. Say, God, please reserve for my son or daughter a helpmate who loves you, who is sexually pure, and who will be kind and emotionally faithful to my son or daughter. Good. Maybe you're here today or you're watching online and you, find, you would say, I'm sexually wounded. So if you're sexually wounded or been wounded by somebody, I want you to pray this in your hearts. Just say, Heavenly Father, please bring healing into my life. And please increase my capacity to love and trust again. You know, brothers and sisters, God counsels us here in Proverbs chapter five that failure to practice sexual exclusivity exclusivity will cause self-destruction. So let me talk a little bit about forgiveness just for a moment. You know, Solomon's writing Proverbs chapter five from a position of experience, right? He learned a lot of things. And I think a lot of times, you know, we, you know, the reason we call it experience is that's, that's how you get it, you, by, by, by making mistakes. And maybe some of you, as you're listening to me to talk, you, as you reflect over the course of your life, you go, you know, wow, I've had a lot of relationships in my life. And some of them have been good. Some of them have not been so good. Some of them have maybe picked me up. Others of them have not. They pushed me down. And, and maybe you struggle with guilt. I don't know. Maybe you struggle with, man, I wish I could go back and do it over again. I just want to say to you, God, that, that God loves you and he loves me. And God's in the do-over business. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. Right? And, and, and the devil wants us to dwell on maybe what we could have done better. Right? The devil wants us to, to, to dwell on maybe where we failed. But, you know, God doesn't look at that. God's just inviting us to continue to move forward, continue to grow in grace, continue to grow in relationship. If you're not happy about that decision, we'll grow from it, learn from it, be better because of, of it. And so if you're in a place where, you know, you just, you kind of have this weight of guilt on your, on your shoulders, I just want to say to you, give it up to the Lord today. You know, in a moment, Joe and Lisa Banning are going to serve us communion. And the whole idea of communion is Jesus met with his boys, you know, before going on the cross and said, guys, I love you. Right? Jesus knew that Peter was about to betray him. And yet he said, God, I love, guys, I love you. And whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, I want you to remember the truth that, that I'm for you and I'm with you and keep moving forward. And sure, you're going to fall down and sure, you're going to make mistakes, but don't stay there. Nobody wins. The only one who wins is the devil. Keep moving forward. And so if you're in a place today where maybe you feel guilty about something or feeling like, ah, I just, I feel just this blackness, I just want to encourage you that as you, as you 
go and you receive the elements from Joe and Lisa and as, we, as you sit and you maybe just ponder, just say the prayer over and over and over and over again in your heart. God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me over and over. And then when we take the bread together and drink the cup, I just want to encourage you to let it go and live in the truth and the reality that we are forgiven, yes? Turn your neighbor and say, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. So lean on God for strength. You know, lean on God for his help. For this is wisdom to live by, amen.